Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Cecil, Cutting for Sign, episode 38. Yeah. Daniel Popper, I'm really excited about this. He was like um, on my radar before we started this podcast. And then the moment we started this podcast, I was like, hell yeah, we got to get a hold of this guy. And and here we are like nearly a year later from the first moment I like wanted him on. And we had to work hard to keep that ball rolling. And here he comes. The story in my head is that he's the first person we asked. To Pretty close, like, like you know very I mean? close to the beginning. Yeah, yeah for sure. For and sure. Now, and now a year later, like. Yeah, it's happening. the payoff's I, happening. I heard he's excited. His assistant was, we've been messaging him, and it sounds like he's really excited about this conversation. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I got to see, uh, right after he and I communicated last year, um, just coincidentally, I ended up in Tulum with Morgan on oh. a little romantic trip and yeah. got to see um, his piece there. And cool. it's profound. Like, it was. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of thoughtfulness. You you know, you as an artist and me as a patron of the arts. Uh I <laughs> and you're a writer. I'm a writer. That's art. I'm it always is. confused. Okay, let me ask this real quick. Just, just side note. When someone says I'm an artist, yeah. Do, is that supposed to mean they're a painter? That's a, a good question. A I don't think so. When I hear someone say I'm an artist, I think it's like anything but but artists and writers are different. Someone says I'm a writer. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Well, or a poet I think that's, or whatever. That's ridiculous. Like you you are 100 an artist based on the stuff that I've read of yours. You're creating fiction, you know. And I'm not yeah. saying you have to create fiction to be an artist, but it's like if you're creating fiction, what's that? That's painting on paper. That's painting with words. Oh yeah. Just you what wait you wait what you're what I'm coming up with right you're now, an man. It's, an I'm I'm hot right now. Feels so good. <laughs> What's coming out of me is like, shit, yes, this is good. You're an artist. Uh, well, back to Daniel. You know when you're around art, that's like, this is something different. There's like, there's murals, right? And I don't want to like knock anyone's murals, but like there's just something like For when sure. you get around something, it feels like it's beyond just the aesthetic. There's like a statement to it. There's like a, a, yeah. a line in the sand yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You get the, I got that feeling around it. And, and I think he's probably, I mean, I would imagine one of the most photographed artists like in this era right now, because of where he puts his pieces are in very public places. And um, as an installation artist, they're like, you know, there are festivals and hotels and, and public spaces and his, yeah. his work in Chicago is like kind of on the, you know, edge of this park. And like tucked in all these like cute like little wilderness areas. Huh. I think that's really magical. I mean, he's he's singular, undoubtedly. His stuff for is, sure. It's like I was showing it to somebody yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he's also really well connected. Like the friend that I showed it to yesterday started following him on Instagram. And oh, really? As as he looked, he my friend goes, "Oh my god!" Like all these other artists I know already follow him. You know? Yeah. And then my friend, he's a very thoughtful kid, and he goes, "I don't even know what I'm looking at." Is that a tree? Did he sculpt that? You know what I mean? He yeah. just it it was it's that yeah. Unique. He reminds me a little bit in some ways of that. Um, I'm gonna mess his name up, so I'm 
I'm gonna I'm gonna not say that actually. Oh, I love when <laughs> there, you mess names. Well, there was a sculpture. The there was a sculpture in the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, Andy, I think. Andrew um, could be wrong. Goldberg, maybe. Anyway, he did these installations outside that were like spectrums of color with leaves that he picked up off the ground and and would make these like insane balancing rock sculptures with found rocks and um that are meant to be temporary like they're there and then you know in a matter of moments they get knocked down or blown away it's pretty obsessed with that guy but they they have a similar sense in in that it it is in a natural setting but then but an unnatural uh, or, or human-made or artistic um, design or fabrication. And, and it's surprising. <laughs> it's delightful, and it's surprising. Which is, that's a good definition of art. Yeah. Which is, which is probably one of the earliest forms of art, if you're thinking about it, was probably just people moving shit around in nature, you know? Yeah. You know, let me, like, yeah. make a little shape with these rocks, you know? And well, that stuff, of course, didn't last. Dude, I was thinking about that um on my hunting trip about how when you're you're outside there are no right angles right like it's really difficult to find a right angle in nature like of course it happens on rock with rocks and things like that every once yeah, in a while kind of accidentally yeah yeah but then if you take two fallen logs and put them together you know you suddenly have a right angle like you could make a square or a rectangle really fast and and i thought i wonder what that was like for our ancestors like when they saw one, when they saw one or start or realized they could make the structure, right? Like suddenly, suddenly nature gives you the pieces of something that's beyond what nature was doing. There is so much that happened in human history that we're never going to know that, you know what I mean? Like all these, I always think of this as one of there's a thought about a story that I've had for, for many years. And it's not really a, a specific story, but there's so much action and love and, and think little moments like what you're talking about and the, the, the birth of art, not the birth, but the like entire conception and, and gestation period of, mm. of art for millions of years, human emotion, human brain, human story, dramas, yeah. war, love, loss that happened through people who had language that was still being formed and maybe it was more sounds instead of mm. like sounds with specific bites of meaning. Right. And I just think it's all lost. It's gone. Like there's, mm. it's an inordinate amount of story and emotion right. and experience. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I just yeah. find that fascinating. And I think that could be explored in film. Did you see the cave? Uh, Have you heard of that film? No. It's, it's kind uh, of, a- sorry. Is it, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's a documentary about the the cave drawings in France. Oh, that's cool. I, I have seen, I mean, I've seen one of those documentaries. And it's yeah. Cool. I mean, that was like, you know, there are tens of thousands of years between some of the drawings. Yeah. <laughs> that's my next series that I'm going to do. The apotheosis of myself, myself as an artist, as a painter is going to be, I have this idea to do paint, uh, cave painting inspired paintings. Oh, wow. Like, like you take the memories it's yeah. a bendy, a bendy, bendy time idea. But like you take the things that happened early in your life, images, and then you paint them as if they're cave paintings and ancient. Oh, interesting. Because if yeah. our whole life is our whole life, is like our whole world potentially or our whole history, then what happened when we were really young is kind of personally ancient. You know what I mean? 
we're going to come back to this for in the because Daniel's here. I'm excited about this. All right, let's do it. Daniel Popper, you are a multidisciplinary artist from Cape Town, South Africa, known globally for your larger than life art that blurs the lines between interactive art, sculpture, installation and stage and interior design. Many of your projects include collaborations with other artists and technicians to incorporate electronic music, lighting and projection mapping. You are most acclaimed for your massive public art installations at places such as the Boom Festival in Portugal, Africa Burn in the Tanqua Karoo in South Africa, the Human Nature Exhibition at the Morton Arboretum in Chicago, and the Vanilla Luz Sculpture in Tulum. You build both temporary and permanent pieces, including a commission for a sculpture that now stands as a defining feature for the Nelson Mandela School of Science and Technology. You are also founder of Pop Productions, a production company for concept design, innovative advertising, brand activation, and stage design. You value authentic collaborations, your art having a positive impact in the world, the belief that we are more connected with nature than we often think, and growing together as both a collective and as individuals. Welcome, Daniel Pop. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. We were just discussing uh, a moment ago that the way you and I connected was um, you reached out to me about your own, ex- you know, experience in the hero's journey and and how it's been kind of a, a lone lone wolf journey for you. Um, I'm interested in in has that moment along the hero's journey happened to you where you personally have had kind of a mentor guide spirit guide which is either in the form of a person or i don't know the muse or something that has helped you along this journey are you are you familiar with that idea in the hero's journey of having I am. yeah I am. I am um you know there's been a lot of um uh you know a lot of people um along the journey that mm-hmm. have um uh you know, facilitated the journey. So um, there's been some incredible clients along the way that saw something in me and gave me the opportunity to Mm. do what I do, you know? So um, I always think about the role that those guys um, played, you know, but I'm not sure if they are the mentors. I feel like they're the ones that sort of just, um, you know, they, they, they sort of made the offer and so the call was there and it yeah. was up to me to take it, yeah. you know to take it up so um would you say that, oh, sorry yeah i was just curious regarding the call like would you say that you're a person who you know there's a couple ways the hero's journey can start as i understand it one is denial of the call or yeah. answering of the call and being forced into the call there's like a few what, what would you say are you yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, certainly on this, on the, on the art projects that I've done, um, you know, those were, were definitely answering the call. I think, I think now I'm at a phase right now, actually strangely yesterday was having a conversation about uh, turning down a lot of those calls, Yeah. you know, and what that means now for me, you mm. know, like saying no to a lot of it, because in the beginning it was like, yeah. how do I make a career out of this? So you say, yes, you're like, take the opportunities that are given to me and, and blast off, like do as much you know, go as hard as I can. Now I've got all the, I get all these requests all the time and it's about learning how to navigate that and which ones to say no to and which ones yeah. to go for. So, so that's interesting. I mean, in terms of like mentorship or guidance, um, that has always been a thing. Cause I, you know, I was always looking for, for who it is, you know, who's that mentor going to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would often ask people along the way and, um, 
you know, for their advice. And it was, it was interesting because there was never any one person before me who did this, who I could always call up and be yeah. like, yeah, how do I do this? What do I do? Um, but, uh, you know, I'd always call friends or, 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 or people like that to bounce around, uh, uh, you know, interesting or difficult circumstances with, but, um, at the end of the day, it is, it is a lone journey. It's mm. a solo journey, mm. no doubt. Mm. You know? Do you have um, any kind of spiritual practice that you participate in as, as your part of like personal life? I, 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 yeah, I, I've done many, you know, I've yeah. done many. I've got like gone through the psychedelic sure. phase yeah. of, of all that stuff um, in my earlier years, like sort of like earlier thirties, um, late twenties. Um, so I, you know, experimented with all of that. Then I, you know, did the meditation thing as well, you know, yeah. Vipassana meditation and sort of Buddha spiritual practice. Um, it's always a thing that I have, like when I start to get a, a feel a little bit too untethered, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'll come back to that practice. Um, Speaking and yeah, I'm just curious a real quick pause on that. Um, <clears throat> when you say untethered, uh, what does that look like for you? And, and, and does it ever, is it like serious, you know, like, do you really ever have a time in your life where I guess, yeah. when, where you're i wouldn't say lost but like how how bad does that get you know what i mean it can get pretty it can get pretty intense so like um you know especially when i'm on jobs so i mean i'll just give you like a a little picture of my life because it's it's slightly different like you know for example like some of my best mates you know they have jobs (laughs) they have jobs they wake up they say goodbye to the wife and kids they maybe drop the kid off at school and then they're off to work and they work inside you know a factory or an office or whatever uh, you know, their lawyer, or whatever, and then they they come home from work, and they there's dinner, and then it's goodnight, kids, and then it's with the wife and whatever. And I'm not saying that those daily routines also don't come with their challenges, because within that there's all those sort of microcosms yeah, of sure. complexity. But my life is so radically different because it'll go through. I'll go through studio time, and so so we'll get back to this. I just put a pin in this, but. I knew that it was happening when it was happening, but I said to, I said to, to my wife and, you know, and myself at the time, I was like, during COVID when all the sort of projects got stalled for an entire year and we had a routine life, I said to, I was like, I think I'm going to look back at this as the best time of my life. <laughs> like, and yeah. you know, cause the beginning was like, holy shit, like there's no work, a bit of a freak out. And then I yeah. got into this like rhythm and this routine and like, I was doing almost the same thing every day. And like this crazy shit started to happen. And I knew that I was, that it was the best time of my life. But now like that, since that ended, I mean, this year, you know, in one year we, we flew to, um, to, to Miami. I did a project in Miami. Then we went yeah. to uh, Boulder, Colorado. I was in Boulder, Colorado for like three months working in a studio there. Then we left. Then it was uh, installations. I was living out of a hotel room for two months. My wife and little girl came with me. We stayed, we lived in like a, the Hyatt hotel room for like two months in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Then we left there. Then I went to Vegas. And then it's like, oh, so, so literally since then I haven't unpacked my bags. Like my suit, I've just been living out of a suitcase every day. Um, new projects coming in, like trying to deal with those, trying to stay creatively like fit, you know, trying to yeah. stay on top of stuff. And then just like sort of pushing all of that stuff aside, getting stuck into like being uh, physically on site and building like with my own hands. So there's like, it's a completely different practice because now you're literally, mm. you're just mixing like concrete. 
you know, you're not, you're not like, uh, you know, you're not in the dream space. You're not in the imagination space. You're in the like bricks and mortar, like, no, you know, Mm. seriously, like it's, and some of it is very laborious. Some of it's very physical, like carrying bags of concrete, like outside of pickup trucks and stuff like that. So there's, you know, you're in that zone and which is great. Cause I, you know, I always feel like it's in those times, it's in that space. If you, if, if you allow like the creativity seeps through in those spaces. Mm. And so like going for walks are like super important because it's when you're not Mm. thinking about the thing, you know, when you're not looking directly at it, it it seeps through. So that's always, I kind of enjoy that space, you know, then, then it's back and then it's dealing with the business, trying to run the business, dealing Mm. with clients, dealing with like all the back end stuff, like taxes, all this other shit, you know what I mean? So like it gets, it gets a bit like wild, you know, it gets a bit wild and like, I, you know, I, um, I, I think like the day in the life of some of these like major like CEOs as well, because it's just like each day comes with new crazy shit to like have to deal with. And you can get into a rhythm of dealing with crazy shit, you know, because it's like, you know, there's a lightsaber and just trying to like, yeah. again, you know, <laughs> you know, bat stuff off or like whatever. Um, but the the real like the real actual magic happens being in that routine space you know, and the getting, so like, I like creatively fit, you know, it's mm. like people say, oh, don't, you know, don't you get creatively blocked or whatever. And like, I totally do. And when I'm in that space and when I'm not, when I'm not nurturing or giving time to like creating the art that I want to mm. create and I'm stuck too much in the running of the business or, you know, all that stuff, then I become an absolute moody bastard. And I'm mm. like, just, uh, things start to get very unpleasant for me because I'm just like, then, then I'm feeling completely untethered because then you can look around you're like, okay, cool. So I'm making all this cool stuff happen and this business and I'm running and I've got staff and all this stuff, but like, is this really what I want to be doing? Yeah. It's like, you start questioning it and then it's yeah. suddenly not, it's not cool. You know? yeah. I think, so you got to do the work, you know, I think about, uh, you know, there's that uh, Jungian idea of the, the persona. Something I think about a lot is yeah. just that's a lens that I've chosen, Daniel, for how I look at the world and my psyche and some of the experience. I know there's a lot of lenses, but Jungian psychology yeah. tends to work for me. Sure, and me so, too, yeah. yeah, the idea of the shadow and the ego and the anima and animus uh, and then the um, uh, persona. And yeah. it's really interesting as, as, a, as I've as I've gotten more acutely aware of that idea of a persona as a, a, a mask or a personality that we put on subconsciously mm. instantly when anybody pretty much is around us and most, mm. most acutely when we're around a lot of people. Mm. And it's just like, it, it's one of the reasons as I, as I'm putting pieces together that I think we get exhausted being around people and we just want some alone time is because that mask, that, personality can drop away and we can potentially be other aspects of our psyche you know Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's a little bit of what you're talking about no i think so definitely so you'll the the piece i did for modem festival in croatia with the Uh, statue pulling its face off that was the same one on your your, uh that's inspired um, that was the uh, you know inspired by the persona by the jungian concept of the persona awesome awesome yeah yeah. i think it's really important for uh for people to like in my opinion, it has been for me at least to just have a little conceptualization of, Oh yeah. When I'm around people, maybe in subtle ways, my personality is a little bit different, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. So that's why, you know, it's important. You're like, you said, you know, I'll, I'll feel like shit's getting, you know, I'm getting lost in this. Mm. I'm getting lost in the, you know, you know, on the other side, you know, you know, and it's, 
and then I have to bring it back, you know, and then bringing it back requires all that extra work. <laughs> you got to do it all. Yeah. You got to meditate, you got to go to the gym, yeah. you got to work yeah. out, you got to like, you know, bust, bust your ass, like, you know, sweat. Ron was talking about before you hopped on uh, the cave, the documentary, the cave about the uh, ancient cave paintings. Uh-huh. And I, I personally am, I mean, fascinated might be a little bit much. I mean, they're obviously fascinating, but I just, I really have been planning for some time to do a painting series that, that explores that idea of cave paintings. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then Ronald and I talk a lot about the, I don't know, the different stages of, uh, not different stages, but the, just the idea of how to come back into ourselves and, and uh, reground, recenter. And yeah. I, I'm curious if you have, maybe you just said it meditation, but and same question for you, Ronald, like mm. a, a quiet place that where you it's incubative for ideas and it's mm. peace. You know what I mean? Do you have yeah. a situation like that? No, I mean, definitely. I think the, um, you know, when, when it's, when like, like during COVID, like when I, when I've got the time and I yeah. can really get into that whole thing, then I get into the whole practice, you know, I'm on the daily routines and I'm doing all the good things and Cape Town, South Africa offers you like the best cause it's got like that cold water. Mm. So you, you know, you can mm. go for a morning walk, jump in the freezing cold Atlantic Ocean, start your day like that, you know, journal a little bit or like, you know, get a personal trainer, get someone to kick your ass, like sweat, your, you know, sweat it out, yeah. sweat it out. And then, uh, you know, start journaling and then start sketching in the morning. You know, I do mm. like 30 minutes, 45 minutes of just yeah. like, you know, drawing, like letting it, letting it go. And then, you know, and then I'll start work like sculpting and, you know, and, and, and sculpting practice as well. So it's like dedicating time of the day. And, um, you know, I think what's that, the, 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 the book, the deep, the deep work, you yeah. know, I was, I was trying to do that. I was like, okay, cool. Let's go into, let's do some yeah. deep work, but it's also weird because there's work for, for money, you know, yeah. and I'm like this work that I got to do because I got a contract to produce this thing. And then there's the other work, which is like, what would I sculpt or what kind of art would I create mm-hmm. if, uh, if I didn't have to worry about that? Mm. so yeah. that's uh you One know is that, for that's your soul. The, yeah that's the that's yeah. the that's the that's the the, the 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 ideal scenario you know when now like the kind of life style i'm in now you know like sunday night i leave i go to vegas and we're on tour blasting it for like the next six seven weeks mm. um if shit gets crazy then it's literally just a, a morning walk and like a journal session yeah that's the best i could do yeah you feel yourself kind of hitting a um you know, the red line when you're doing that. Totally. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Unhesitatingly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. How do you, how do you navigate that? Because I, I mean, you're in a u- unique position where the demand on your life is beyond what most yeah. people experience. Even, yeah. even, you know, someone who's got a high powered um, leadership position in a company or something, because you're, you're yeah. not only have the creative demand on you, which I think is, probably one of the toughest demands that a person could go through mentally because it's like you have to think of things that have never been thought before you know creative creatively and and the demand is on you like hey it's similar to to somebody coming up to a comedian and saying something dumb like be funny say something funny so that's the thing (laughs) because the creative process is a non-linear one which you know that's what i keep trying to explain to my team you know, so now like we we've taken on a bunch of projects for next year, like the such exciting projects, like the spaces and the clients are just exactly what you know I've manifested. Wow. Um, but you know, it's now it's like on demand. Mm. 
So oh. it's so like, be creative and, you, and come up with a cool idea now. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I need like, I need some space to, to make this happen. You yeah. Know? Um, because it's like what, you know, the best is when I'm sitting in that space and I'm like, okay, I'm creating this piece, not for anyone or anything, just for myself. Then I make that. And then I'll, then I can say, okay, this is what I want to make. And I'll show that to the client, you know, I'll be mm-hmm. like, this is, this is it, you know? And then they, yeah. you know, they get on board with me on that. Um, but yeah, I, I totally hit, hit those red lines. I mean, I've got, I've got, a, I've got partners as well. I've got two boys that they, they've been with me for the last 10 years. So, and wow. we're going through all of this together. So, you know, wow. that, you know, two years ago, I think, you know, when I messaged you like that, these guys are like, you know, they are my brothers in this whole thing. So we go through all of it together mm. uh, at the same time. They're not, um, they're not carrying as much in terms of the creativity side of things yeah. uh, and the running of the business, but they are definitely, you know, their roles are the more on the sort of installation side of things. Yeah. So like the technical engineering and whatever. So they also have their hands full, but we're all building together. Like we're all on site and we're all in the trenches together. So at least, yeah. you know, you have people we can cry with it makes it <laughs> need a good cry gang like have a good yeah. cry together once in a while yeah. that's, <laughs> that's been one of the most powerful things i've experienced in my life is my friendship with ronald uh because i've never had a i've worked collaboratively with some really close friends but it was always maybe top six or seven months you know mm-hmm. And to do something that is, I mean, we're in our 11th month and there's no end in sight and we don't want an end in sight. And just to go through the uh, growth, because you start to grow individually, of course, like you were talking about growing collectively and individually, which I love that. Um, And Ronald and I's like uh, uh, path in life, like our personal heroes journeys, our stories, they've been continuing and while we've been communicating many times a day and almost like they're we find that they're like synced up and he'll go through something very unique to him i'll go something through something very unique to me but we're kind of going through the same inner experience you know what i mean it's manifesting in different ways and we'll hit thresholds Mm -hmm. together and we'll get through them Mm -hmm. uh do you know what i mean and do you get that experience with your team yeah yeah no definitely man and uh and uh, you know because these these guys um in 2019 actually um they were running their own business in south africa and uh, it was really struggling their business and like uh, one of their reasons for it struggling was because they kept they kept coming with you know joining the circus with me every Mm. every now and again (laughs) and they were their business was then you know so they sort of for that year they were like we're gonna just put our heads down and put all our energy into our business and we're not going to leave and, you know, we're going to grow it. And so they did and they tried. And then that year I went and I got a whole new crew of people Mm. Um, and, you know, started again and I got the jobs done. We did some amazing projects, but like there was just not that, you know, I didn't have that sense of familiarity. Mm. I just trained guys from the beginning. There wasn't a connection there. They were simply just working for me. And, um, it was, it was so unenjoyable. I can't tell you, like it made it so much harder because it, I was also then felt like I was babysitting this, yeah. these, the, the, this team as well. And I, yeah. and I had to be their leader, you know, as these guys, I'm not their leader. We, we brothers and we work together with the same goal in mind. So it makes it a whole different, you know, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you one more uh, uh, 
question about art um and uh, i'm curious one thing that i personally am doing is i'm potentially going to be not potentially i'm going to be getting some schooling in art which i've never done and uh-huh. i met with the professor one of the professors the other day and he said we're going to strip out down all your habits and your process and we're going to get things to be able to grow from a, a, a new fresh place like basically we're just to strip, strip all your habits down and, and recreate help you recreate yourself as artists mm-hmm. do you go through that process yourself uh was there one big version of that did you ever have to do you, hope um, you know, to wait, yeah it's, it's it's interesting so um I'm, I think I'm getting very close to the edge of having to go through that whole process again. Really? <laughs> but yeah, um, because otherwise I get bored. But I yeah. mean, in the, um, in the beginning, so I studied painting. I studied fine arts. Okay. Um, I went through the academic process of the whole thing. Hated it. Was confused by it. Oh. But then at mm. the end decided to like, really, I was like, maybe I'm just resisting this. And I went full on into painting oh. as like this contemporary art medium. You just hated I, painting or you hated some of the stuff that they were just what the whole idea. Cause it was like this contemporary art. So you were learning about like, you know, because it, at the, in the ac- academic world, they like, you know, they take you down. It's like art history all the way to now. And then like, what does it yeah. mean? What is painting now? You know, because okay. painting was this old tradition, you know, from the Renaissance. So, like, what does it become? What does it mean to be a painter? You know, um, like for example, like you know, one kid in my class, he was doing painting, and his like final year of painting was he had taken a canvas and he had like unraveled it thread by thread, and then started reweaving it on a loom. Whoa! Yeah, that was his painting. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got yeah. it like on, on a, like you know. On an academic level, sure, I can go there to understand it. Like on a soul yeah. level, like heart, mind, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Shit? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know, it's not accessible. But, yeah, you know, and there was no learning about like the the real core things like composition, color, yeah. um, ways of seeing, ways of looking, ways of yeah. like understanding what what's successful and why. Yeah. So you would go and see these things, and I mean, like you know. So for example, like these, the abstract expressionists, you know, some of that stuff, you know, people, you know, people don't understand when they look at Rothko or Pollock or all these paintings, whatever, but you've got to get into understanding what they are. But in the end of the day, there's a lot of academia there backing it up. Um, And and then especially with contemporary painting. So I went there, I got into it. I started like writing the thesis on the why Mm. and getting Mm. all deep into like, you know, trying to understand it. But I also was battling my lecturers because they were all, that guy who did the unraveling, reweaving shit, he like, he won the art prize in school, (laughs) you know? So, is, and it, is this the ones. guy that just sold $83,000 of blank canvases to a museum? And yeah, it, same, same bullshit, you know? <laughs> so I, I was the guy like in my studio mixing yeah. colors, like mixing oil paints on a, you know, like on a palette, like trying to understand like the, the oil painting. And so it was very, it was a battle for me. I won't lie. And um, I came out of art school and I decided to give it a shot. And I started doing gallery shows and whatever. Mm. My poor parents traumatized. They were just like, oh my God, this guy, you know, it's gonna be starving the rest of his life. Like, because yeah. I was also, you know, these paintings were like, they were, they were quite loaded um, subject matter and mm-hmm. full of like academic, like, so to the average person, like, well, like my parents who don't look at much art, they're not academics. They would look at these paintings and just like be like, what is this kid like doing? You yeah. Know? Um, mm-hmm. But then, and then I started, so then I started moving away from that and I started trying to just like, go back to like doing portraiture because that was stuff that I loved, whatever. 
And eventually, like, I just couldn't deal with the contemporary art world. I mean, there's maybe mm. a number of reasons why, like, you know, maybe a, a harsher art critic would say maybe I wasn't cut out for it. Um, but at the end of the day, I just, you know, I did take a step back, you know, after like, you know, psychedelics and all that stuff. And it was like, do I actually like contempt? Do I enjoy it when I go to these contemporary yeah. art museums? Does the art that I'm seeing there resonate with me? Do mm. I like being immersed in academic idea and the sort of, you know, prefrontal cortex of what this art is? No. The answer wow. was no. Yeah. I didn't like it. It didn't do anything for my soul. It didn't do anything for, for me as a person. Um, uh, you know, academia is cool, but it didn't it didn't float my boat. Like I've got friends, they love academia. That's their thing, yeah. you know. Um, and so I just was, I just basically quit. I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not playing this game anymore. And then the Burning Man Festival came to South Africa. And then, you know, I went to that. And then I started like ex experimenting with other ways of art making. So I started doing like puppetry sort of making these big puppets and that got me into like thinking about how to make stuff. I, w I never really made physical, like sculpture, like physical mm. things. Cause it was only just about like painting. Um, and then it got me thinking into like, uh, like public engagement or interaction with, with, with sculptures or art in a way that was totally different because the people that were attending this festival were people taking psychedelics. They yeah. were people that weren't going to look at this art and trying to understand who, who made it and why they made it and this whole history of all this yeah. stuff, you know, and that's when my brain flipped around and I started doing this stuff and it started, and it started doing it from a, really from my heart mm. because there was no, there was no intention for it to become a career. There was no intention for it to become a life. It was purely, mm. I was like, this is it. This is, this is, you know, if, if I die tomorrow, will I die happy by having expressed mm. myself and given a gift of creativity to other people? And that was the thing. And then I, I you know, I, saw, I just kept pulling on that thread, you know, you want to unravel a canvas. That was yeah, the one I go. chose to unravel, yeah. you know? So, 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 and then, and literally that's then, then it got me into stage design and, and production design and event stuff. So then it became a completely different thing. So like, then it was like creating a stage or a platform for, for people at music festivals. It was completely separate to academic art training. And it was, it moved all the way into the sort of entertainment arena. And then, you know, now I'm, I'm drawing upon experiences from both, you know, so, and uh, yeah, so I'm still not, would, not interested in the art world. So you're <laughs> saying you're getting kind of close to potentially having to, I guess, lack of a better term, reinvent yourself, strip yourself down. Couple of questions or two-party question. What does that look like? What might that look like? Do you even know? And then also, is that process tied to maybe personal inner sort of life issues that uh, or situations or a state of being that you're in right now? So, so I, I can tell you, if you had asked me in 10 years ago, so I was 27, I'm 37 now. Yeah. Um, if I, if, if I was going to become a large scale sculpture artist and creating the sculptures that I'm sculpting now, there was no way. Oh, there was wow. no way. It wasn't even there. It wasn't even a faint dot on the horizon. Hmm. It was, it was, I never had the skill set. So there was just no, I wasn't a classically trained sculptor. I never knew how to sculpt. I never thought I was very good at it. I always thought I was better at like drawing and painting. So I was like, hmm. no, no way. Hmm. The sculptures require like engineering and like yeah. serious, like yeah. understanding serious of how things are built. You yeah. know, I mean, I yeah. could barely like put together an Ikea set. You know? um, so <laughs> I wasn't very hilarious. handy, yeah. you know, yeah. I actually still struggle with those Ikea sets, damn it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just not even a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but 
slowly, slowly, slowly through just being interested in it, it got me to where I am now. And yeah. uh, the the best, the thing that I think that drove the whole thing for me was this process of innovation. Huh. And, I, and I was still so interested. It's like, so then I, you know, I started playing the game because it then it moved from art, from academic art making into an almost industrial design state of mind. So that's why yeah. my two partners, they're industrial designers, because we would always play the game, how is it made? Mm. And so I'd always look at things and be like, how do you think they made this? Like, what was yeah. the process behind making it? And I love doing that. I love looking at a thing yeah. and understanding like how it's made and wrapping my head around it. And that's when the innovation process happens. So like all these sculptures that I'm making now, for me, they're innovative. Yes, other people have done it, but like there was no one I could call. And yeah. there's no, hey, dude, how do yeah. I make? So I even went to see, I went to see like um, these guys that make these big sets, you know, like for, for movies and stuff like that. And I'd ask them like, how would you do this? And no one had an answer for me. Wow. No, they were like, I don't know how you do this. Like for set building, it's completely different because you're using cheap materials that you throw away, like after yeah. the shot's done, you know? Um, and so I had to figure it out. And there was a lot of like process of innovation and taking risks and doing tests and making samples mm. and creating molds and seeing what happens and how mm. the mold deteriorates and like all this cool stuff. So it got me to that place now. And now like, cool, now I've done it. Now I know how to do it. Now people are ordering those things. They want more of them. That's cool. We can do it. And mm-hmm. um, now for me, it's like, what's the next process of innovation? Like, yeah. what? Is, Have how you, do I uh, take all this that I've learned and just throw it in a meat grinder and see what? You, see what you know, have you heard it. of uh, Zozebra in Santa Fe? No. So it started by an artist. You know, Santa Fe is a. It's been around a long time. They say it's the oldest continually. Um, it's been, it's, it's been said as the, it's been the capital of some people group since the 1100s. Oh, okay. And it's in Northern New Mexico. It's where I met my wife yeah. from that, that state. And in the twenties, there was this influx of artists. Uh, George O'Keefe was one of those artists who, you know, took up residence there. And there was a guy named Will Schuster. I don't know a ton about Will Schuster, but he was kind of the, the guy who decided to turn that town into an artist colony and, and kind of gave it its DNA that it has now. And in 1924, they started this thing called Zozebra. And it's a, and Zozebra is like an old Spanish word, kind of like an old English word mm-hmm. that means the quaking of a sheep before it is sheared. Okay. And they make this giant effigy that's, um, you know, a hundred feet tall or something. And, and they call him old man gloom and they fill him. They spend a few days filling him with bad news and it's literal bad news. It's people's uh, like tax records. It's their yeah. divorce papers. It's the, it's the death certificate of a loved one. It's like all the things that as a community they're carrying and don't and want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And they literally fill it to the brim with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they have this giant kind of ceremony in the fall time. And then they light it on fire. Okay. And it's the it's the largest uh, gathering of people in the state of New Mexico at any given t- like, you know, any time. It's like bigger than any sporting event or anything like that. Wow. It's like it's a big big deal. It's cool. been going on a long time. It kind of sounds like you're getting to a part like that where you know yeah. it's time to burn it all down, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. No, totally. I mean, yeah. it sounds you know similar concept to like the temple at Burning Man in a way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's really it, you know, it's like, um, 
so you know so i'm 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 getting to the point but i'm also like you know it's um i'm uh, looking forward to a bit of space yeah that i can yeah. get into breaking all of this stuff down you know but like for example one of the big things that i'm now starting to question is like why do these things have to be so big mm. you know what happens if i'm starting making some like smaller stuff you know yeah um what would a gallery space look like for me if i were to enter back into it and return uh, you know, like returning back to the potentially this world that yeah. you left yeah yeah. And, but I'm just like, it's just, you know, it's all about just that challenge and excitement. It's, there's got to be this kind of like balance between, you know, I, I always watch for that. There's just the right amount of challenge and just the right amount of innovation that gets, that gets mm. my rocks off. You know, mm. if it's, if I know what I'm doing, like if I've done this, okay, I know the process. Um, and I'm just doing another one. I, t I tell you, it's really just, it's laborious work. Yeah, There's nothing about it. That's, and then, you know, that's just paying the bills. It's not yeah. like, you know, and then that's when I start trying to get like hire people. in. I'm like, hi guys in, you know, younger artists, whatever. I'll show them. I'm like, okay, do this. You do it. Mm, I know how yeah. it's done. This is how you do it. Show them how it's done. Get them to yeah. do it so that I can open up space to like start seeing what other interesting and weird things I can. You mentioned make. manifesting a few minutes ago. Uh, is that a formal process for you? Is that something you're like, you're thinking about throughout the day, all the above? Like, what is that when you say that? Cause it's been mentioned a couple of times on this podcast by different people. Yeah. So what's your, what's your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've done it. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, it is a weird thing. Cause like I said, 10 years ago, I wasn't sitting in a room going like, I want to, I want to go go forth and create like all these large sculptures and exhibit yeah. them around the world. That was not the like the the image in my mind, but um, you know it would it would almost happen with each job. And then it was like you know one of the major things was like trying to manifest living and being as an artist. I think it's mm -hmm. one of the most difficult things you can do mm. in this world. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to mm. do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. You know. Um, it's it's a wild one. I mean, it's it's you know, would I recommend it as a choice for a lot of other people? I'm not sure. It's not it's not certainly not for everybody. Um, it, it comes as its own weird set of unknowns, and it really is a wild hero's journey. Um, you know, like the Stephen Pressfield book, The War of Art. You mean this book right here on my desk? That I mean, just that one. <laughs> Just that one, but it Run. is, you know, yeah. that's the yeah. stitch, you know, that's what, that's the, the serious man. It's like a war zone yeah. every day. Yeah. Know? Man. Okay. So, so, um, you said you're going to do it and, and that is you're, you're heating the call, you're answering the call. And then immediately after that is going into the dark forest, going into the unknown territory, which sounds like you like you like to some extent. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think if you have uh, a penchant for adventure, the unknown um, difficulties in some way, they're, uh, they're on their way. What was, what was the danger? What was the risk for you when you decided to, to heed your call? Well, yeah. So I think, you know, for, for me, like every dragon along the way is the sculpture, hmm. you know, yeah. that's the thing. And the process of get, of getting that thing to the end and how I feel about it, like who won yeah. the battle, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sculptures I've done where where I was defeated or I felt defeated, you know? Really? Other people look at it and be yeah. like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, 
Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. Why do you feel <laughs> defeated? What, 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 what would be like, did you, I mean, like, was it as simple as like it was over cost or, or like. There's many, there's so many elements. So for yeah. example, cost is a major one. And I, yeah. I, I think coming, you know, now, like we're starting to learn to budget correctly for these things and understand like the, the actual costs involved, like some of them costs are insane, but I'll still push it. I'll mm. still push it to the limit. And I'll still, you know, I'll rinse every cent of that, of that budget mm. that I've got to like, you know, to the nth degree and then there's you know like we like you know i say to my like my guys i'm like there's there's jobs for show and then you know there's jobs for dough and we do the jobs that we we know we can make a good margin on and you know some of them are just like brand activation <laughs> stuff and it's cool and then there's you know we'll be given a, a like a space to create a piece of public art and i'm like we're going i'm going all in on this one you know yeah like I just don't want to lose money, you know, but then I'm all in. And the next thing I know, yeah. I'm like in the hole on the project. And so now you face challenges. It's like, do we need to spend more money to like fit, make this thing happen? And, and what is that going to be? And what's the, what's the cost of it? A, like there were times where I didn't have the money to spend. So yeah. it wasn't even an option. It was like, okay, now I'm going to bankrupt myself. Is that, uh, you know, so then I would, you know, and then like there were times, I mean, you know, the Arb that modern Arboretum job, things happened because of COVID, whatever, the costs are in way, way over, way over. Yeah. I only found out closer to the end of that project where like my production manager came to show me the budget. She was like, you know, we 50K over budget. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, <gasps> yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and I, it, it, thankfully she never showed it to me during because it would have, it would have wrecked yeah. me because then yeah. all the choices that I was making <clears throat> would have been hindered by that, you know, because it was like, yeah. okay, you know what? We need to get a, I need a sandblast. I don't like the paintwork I've done. I need a sandblasting machine. I'm blasting all the paintwork off, blasted it all off, repainted the sculpture like three times till I was happy, you know, yeah. <laughs> spent yeah. thousands of dollars doing it. You know, I was like, yeah. if, uh, if I knew I didn't have the money to spend, I wouldn't have done that. So I was kind of right. happy at the end, but it did feel like someone kicked me in the stomach, but you know, um, there'll be other, there'll be other projects where I'm on like other, other sculptures where it's just, you're also pressed by time. Cause you gotta, it's, you can't stay on these things forever. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I gotta be complete. We got a deadline. I gotta leave. I gotta get to the next job, whatever. Some of them are nicer <laughs> where it's a little bit open-ended where it's like, okay, if I'm not finished, I can always come back and finish it, but you can't, I kind of do want to be done. The worst are when there's an event, it's a festival. There's no getting away from that deadline. Yeah. That is like the gates are opening. You've got to be finished, you know? Right. Right. Um, and so certain things will happen during the creative process. And because you've got to rush through them, it might be in your favor. Like the genie might be with you and it's like, okay, cool. And then you like, Sam, you're like, holy shit. If I had too much time to think about how to do that, I probably would have messed it up. Mm. Um, but then there's other times where it's just like, you, I didn't get the time that I needed or wanted to spend making this thing beautiful, as beautiful as I knew I could have had the potential to and i had to just surrender you know can i ask you a question i just wanted to ask this before i know you have a, a 9 30 uh pretty hard out so um we've got about 10 minutes uh i wanted to ask you about that comment i was watching one of your other videos where you were speaking about nature mm -hmm. and um you mentioned that you believe that we are more connected with nature than we think. And I think that's an interesting topic to explore. Uh, just mm -hmm. um, curious if you could speak a little bit to that. Sure. I mean, you know, when I was doing that Arboretum exhibition, um, 
you know, I was thinking a lot about it, but, um, you know, do you guys, um, you read much of John Muir's work and his quotes? <clears throat> Definitely somebody to check out. I'm familiar, I'm familiar with his work, but I've not I read hiked the John Muir trail, but I didn't. <laughs> okay, books. cool. Yeah. You know, he's got some incredible quotes and stuff like that, but, you know, like for one of the things, you know, one of the quotes that always stuck with me, it was like, um, it was, uh, what is it? It was, um, in order to go out, you must go within some, something like that. So mm. in order to go out, you, you, we must go within, you know, and he, what he was saying was like, just drawing this parallel of like, you know, the sort of external and internal worlds and how closely related they are. And, um, you know, going outside and spending a day in nature, what it does for your psyche and how, you know, the sort of like internal garden that you have going on inside you, you know, that needs constant watering and maintenance and, um, and, and just, you know, that I've always been inspired by that idea. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Um, you know, on, on that note, you might appreciate this since we were talking about Jungian psychology is uh, another idea that he had. And some say it was like the, big idea that he had it's at the center of his work is a process called individuation yes um, yeah have you heard of that term definitely yeah i mean i know yeah. a lot about Jung. yeah as i understand it it essentially means uh, for listeners um making your inner and outer world or the experience of your inner and outer world becoming more one world instead of being separate and yeah. then we can go into the idea of what inner, inner world is and sure we kind of know what ours but what do you think about that yeah, I mean, for me, that's really what this whole process has been about. You know? Awesome. Um, mm. And 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 for me, be deciding and choosing, I'm going to go and be an artist, and that's going to be my life. It what has been the process of individuation, and that's why, like in this art making process, yeah. it's all about me feeling like I'm individuating. Because now, if I were to just so you see a lot of artists when they get into becoming like it's it becomes about commerce, right? So the they create a brand and then they're just creating products and they just continue to create those stuff. So that's cool. And that's, you know, it's entrepreneurial and it exists in a certain archetype, you know, it exists in the businessman archetype, but it doesn't, you know, it's the process of individuation is about, you know, constantly digging through the weeds and going deep and digging down into the cave and pulling out the jewels, <laughs> like fighting those battles and coming out and, you know, and, 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 and that's why, you know, now I'm at that process where I'm just like, okay, well, what's the next process? You know, what's the next process going to be for me? Uh, you mentioned uh, Stephen Pressfield. How is, what's resistance like for you? Oh. How, how does that, how does that come up for you in your life? <laughs> oh my God. And it, like he says, you know, it's crazy, man. It literally in any kind of way that it will yeah. find, in any way that it will find, honestly. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a constant battle, you know, but, but, you know, the other interesting thing now is also, it's like, um, uh, learning to be learning to be disciplined a with work, but mm. the major thing is learning to be disciplined in my relationship with my wife and my, and my daughter. I've got another daughter on the way. Yeah. Oh, congrats, man. All right. yeah thanks man. Yeah. But it's like, uh, you know, it's cool, like, you know, like understanding that journaling, going for walks and being immersed in the creative process is part of my work. Yeah. You know? And mm. so like, it took me a while to like, cause I was like, well, I could sit down and journal or I could play with my kid and spend time with my wife. And it was like, you know, learning to navigate that, you know, so that, cause yeah. then I would like give up journaling and whatever, cause it'd be like, oh, this is family time. And 
But then no, you know, you have to have work time and you have to have family time and yeah. you have to be disciplined. And or not only that, just learning to like, okay, well, if work ends at a certain time, then it's 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 done for the day. Now you <laughs> must right. give my I must give my full attention and energy to my yeah. partner and to my kid. But that uh, I'm, uh, you know, I still haven't mastered that art because it's yeah. it's so hard for me to turn off. Man, I'll come, yeah. I'll, you know, say say my day ends at five p.m. or whatever, you know, which it doesn't, but say it did or whatever. Then I'm with my wife and I've got to be like, okay, it's done now. Yeah. The phone is off. The whole brain needs to be switched off from, you know, trying to think of the problem solve what's happening there. It's yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. I think it's a really common trait among high achievers that that once the brain is working towards that thing, the brain doesn't want to stop working towards that thing. Yeah. And even as much uh, love and kindness and and uh, the payoff, the emotional payoff it is to be with family, there's still some part of your brain that wants to you know keep that tab open and yeah. and continue to run that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old sure. your How old is your uh, oldest daughter? She's three. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What's that process been like for you as a dad? I mean, how's that? I mean, I think when we when we become fathers, um, there's the there's a lot of expectations we feel, right? Like, oh, yeah. I need to be this and that and and these totally. other things. Totally. And then we find totally. then we think that having a kid will somehow give us magical powers to to achieve those things. Yeah. Then we find out that that is not true. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 so what I've learned from it is like, yeah. you know, I see other some of my friends that like have a natural gift at being a parent yeah and they're kind mean. of born yeah. to be parents right. and they're like my wife for example she's just like naturally unbelievable mom um you know i have i have uh women friends of mine that they struggled with the concept yeah because they thought they totally. thought that it would come naturally to them and they're yeah. like oh, i don't yeah. know what the fuck to do yeah. um and then i've got you know a guy friends of mine as well they just were like they just like they 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 have the gift or the art of communicating with young children and they just so good at it. And I was honestly, I was just like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. So I kind of was like, up until now, I, I sort of was like, listen, just, just keep the kid alive. Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> start there. So if, I, if I can keep my kid alive, yeah. I'm doing a great job. You yeah. know? Keep the kid alive and sort of just be around. Um, yeah. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, that was it. And then also through all the work. And then I was like, you know, going through, which I tell you, I've now learned, it's like, 98% of dads go through this, but like the kids that only interested in mom in those first few years. Mm-hmm. And now she's three, now she's a toddler. Now you're able to communicate. And now I'm suddenly learning like, Oh shit. Okay. Hold on. There's a whole psychological art form of like how to communicate with the yeah. children. So now I've moved yeah. out of, I've now moved out of keeping her alive phase into like having to learn how to be like a real parent phase. So this is my next yeah. year. I'm on trying to figure this one out. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I've got a son who's uh uh, 15 now. And, and honestly, yeah. it's still the same, like keep him alive. That's my you know, number yeah. one goal. He's, he's into some adventurous shit and, and does dangerous things. And and I want him to, I want him to continue to do those things. Uh, I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't know I had an anger problem and I mean like a real anger problem until I had a child. <laughs> and then it was the, the mirror, this young person who was a perfect mirror of my insecurities and my shortcomings yeah. that brought all that stuff to the surface and, and I didn't know how to handle, I thought I'd be a good dad. And I, and I, it was a serious, serious challenge. And the yeah. real turning point was when I learned how to apologize to him, to his face uh-huh. and tell him that it wasn't okay for me to fly off the handle or go into a rage or any of those things. Yeah. Remember, and it's, mm-hmm. Go ahead, was, Daniel. Yeah. Just real quick. Uh, uh, 
uh, Daniel, we had this guest on named Nick, Nick Herndon, and he uh, had a really interesting story. He was set on fire as a child, and it was a very intense thing that happened to him. Obviously, there was a film made about it. But one thing that he does that I've just, me and Ronald really touched us, is that he writes letters to his children. And they will oftentimes be apologetic or they'll be very encouraging. He really communicates in this very sweet way through writing. Uh, and I just think Ronald is kind of, during that conversation, we talked about that idea of parents who can be accountable to their children. You know, I mm -hmm. value that so much. I think that's- Yeah, great sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, you know, and you know, it's, it's great to meet you guys because I'm sure I'll be hitting <laughs> you up now because I still, I mean, like, I, you know, that is one thing I'm craving is just like other brothers going through these similar stories or like, you know, <sighs> mentorship in parenthood, I think is, it's, there's not enough out there. It's not like, yeah. honestly, I like even try and Google it. And it's like, yeah, there's some <laughs> like weird courses or some like kooky people, but it's like, no, man, I'm actually looking for like brotherhood. Like people have gone yeah. through like, like being fathers and like being them in their best way without any like weird Jesus stuff. Like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> psychologically, like yeah. how do we do this thing, yeah. you know? And, and how do we, you know, and le learning like the art of like communication and like, yeah you know, and, and doing that work, you know, doing that work. So you don't, we don't lose our minds, you know, and how to like, okay, what's happening now? I'm like reaching boiling point. What do I do? Let's get, you know, how do I, you know, deescalate this kind of stuff? There's no, there's, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take any advice you guys have to offer. Ah, that. That's awesome, yeah. man. Not advising, yeah. but just shining light on things that people yeah. do right. You know, it's and yeah. thinking outside of the box as a parent, like, you know, um, anyways, I know, I, I know it's time to go, but Sounds like we could talk a long time. Yeah, Daniel. It's, I could it's talk to you guys all day. That's right. I know, man. I know. Uh, let's let's continue this conversation at some point, Daniel. Thanks for showing yeah. up, buddy. I really appreciate yeah, sure. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got you. to see some of your work in Tulum last November, and it's um, awesome, man. It's good stuff. It's profound, man. I like. Uh, it's special to be around. It's special yeah. to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to Amazing more. To yeah. Looking yeah. forward to continue talking, man. Take care have of yourself. Have a great day, sure, guys. All right, All right man. man. Well, yeah, we'll check in again. I'll be I'll be happy to come back on your podcast anytime. Awesome, awesome dude. Thank you, sir. Take care, All right, man. guys. Bye -bye. Awesome. All the best. Awesome field dressing. Episode 38, Daniel Popper. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that was a good one, man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice he was sketching the whole time we were talking? Is that what he was doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a stylus, an electric stylus, and I'm assuming he had a, um, he was working on like an electric, you know, an iPad or whatever the, there's all kinds of different products people can do. At first on I thought yeah. he was, uh, I thought he was on his phone, which, <laughs> which whatever, I mean, do what you gotta do. He was playing words with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Cause every time that someone else would start to speak, he would go back to it. And I was like, yeah. Dude, dudes, dudes running a big company. I get it. You got, you got the emails to address. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that man, I love hearing that story. Um, really, the one where he said, um, you know, he went through a spiritual transformation with the help of psychedelics, and I, and we didn't, and that could have been it. The whole episode, we could have talked about that alone. Oh, yeah. And and he came to a decision in his life, which was, I'm not going to continue to take the safe path. I'm going to go into the unknown because that's my true heart and soul. And, and, and I think all of us are at some point in our life presented with that option. And I, 
honestly don't think it goes away ever. The stakes just get higher as you go on. And, and he at that moment said, I'm going in at the cost of whatever. Yeah. And he went in, in, in hot pursuit of his soul and his creativity and his relationship to the muse. And without any expectation of success or money or notoriety and all those things are now kind of like a, a byproduct of him honoring himself and honoring that real desire in his journey that I found for me personally, like really challenging because I thought I, am I, am I risking enough? Am I going for it hard? Like as yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we have to these days, and maybe it's been like this for a long, long time in these bodies we've been walking around in for millions of years. But it seems like these days we have to self-impose uh, threat um, confrontations with thresholds, trying the line. Um, mm -hmm. There's the term I'm looking for, uh, rich, uh, not rituals, but um, uh, what is the thing that you do that when you're done write a passage thank you yeah rites of passage you know and, and a know. lot of people say well there's no rites of passage with men or with people anymore and it's like okay pump the brakes there's still a lot of rites of passage out there i think high school and college these are legitimate rites of passage yeah at the same time they they can get it seems watered down become commercialized and there isn't really an inner change you know yeah yeah. And so what are some rites of passage where it really I've been watching sports lately and like last night was game five uh, Giants Dodgers huge game two best yeah. teams in, in, in baseball and I was like, how nerve wracking that would be there's no going back you have to perform you have to go forward it's a it's a real trying the line there's a lot on the line emotionally and in a lot of ways, and I just think how as like a normal person in this world can I create a rite of passage that will change me potentially if I don't fail? Cause like, yeah, it's okay to fail. Like failure is a thing in the world, you know? Yeah. And what, but what is one that's appropriate that is guided, that is aligned with who I am and who I want to become, you know, I think that for me going to school potentially could be one, you know, sure, because it's done in a different way now. But what do you think about that? Well, I will use Daniel as an example. Um, I think I, I think I think there are rite of passages that we can experience as a young person that are kind of like training wheel rites of passages. Yeah, you know, you know, that's it's it's achieving something as a young person that takes you through difficulty and you get some help in it and you feel the this, the 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 glow of success. I think a real rite of passage, like a true one, is the kind that there is actual risk involved. Yeah, totally. There's actual risk. Totally. And and you have to um, be willing to accept the terms of that risk in order for the transformation to be complete. And and I think he mentioned that a little bit Um he used the word bankrupt, the risk of going bankrupt. Yeah, that's right? a risk. Yeah, it's a huge risk. And um, 
and I think that's, you know, for, I mean, I mean, I'm only quiet because there's like a ton on my mind around this. And I think about this stuff a lot, Daniel, like this is on my mind a lot, especially as my son's turning, you know, he's 15 and I'm thinking about his journey in life and, yeah. and how do you prepare a person to dig deep when there's like the, the way out is you, right. I was told a long time ago that the, and I probably mentioned this on here, like the, the ticket to the outdoors is fitness. Like you've got to be fit if you want to be outdoors, if that's your place. And and I think it in any of it, it's like there's this, there's a need to have a skill and a talent that's combined, right? That's that's this innate part of you. And you've got to like learn how to work that and learn how to grow it in the face of some kind of about, uh, adversary, whether it's like a point in time, a project, a person, uh, probably not very often a person, you know, um, unless you're a codependent and trying to get out of a bad relationship. <laughs> but um, I mean, I think rites of passages are those moments like you need difficulty. Like it's a, I heard someone say the other day that we have ancestral potential locked in us. We are this unbroken chain of, of success from our ancestors yeah. and all their potential is locked in us. And the only way it comes out is through difficulty and hardship, wow. but it's, but a conscious relationship with difficulty and hardship. Cause there's one part of you that could go, fuck this. This sucks. These people suck. That sucks. Everything would be better if this wasn't so bad, you know, and you, you just are resistant to the change that it could bring you and the, and the type of character and quality that could be unearthed in you if you allowed it. And, and I think there is like, you know, we'll look, we'll use, you know, fucking star Wars as an example, like Luke didn't want to join this problem. Right. And he continued to be called into it. He wanted to go do his own life. And it was like, it was like life was outside of him. And suddenly there's this thing that's like interrupting his life. And uh, Obi-Wan's like, come on, man, like we got to go do this. And he's like, no, well, no, I, I go. mean, we, we got to put the right point on that. Luke yeah. desperately wanted to join them. That was, that was a different one. He wanted it so fucking bad. He didn't want to be just a farm boy. You know what I mean? Well, I thought that's, he wanted to take off. For, I thought he didn't want to deal with the empire. Like he's like, no, no, no. Well, that's he really like, did. No, he totally did. Oh, really? I fucked he all couldn't that. fucking wait. That's all right. I just want to yeah. make a little yeah. correction, but I hear you. And that that's totally true. Like, I think that the, that, um, regarding rites of passage, how do we, like, it's, it's worth the time to think about a rite of passage that would be aligned with who you are yeah. inwardly and outwardly. The result of it would help you in life, you know, yeah. significantly. Yeah. You know, and that there's a lot on the line. If you, if you like, I know in the world, they don't, people don't like the word failure. And I, I think that one of the reasons is, is like we can you can be okay with failure. failure can be okay and even in this context where it's like if you fail you're kind of fucked you know it's it's like it's i guess it depends on the severity of the rite of passage like some rites of passage if you fail you die right yeah yeah but choosing one like i said like where it's appropriate like maybe that a failure wouldn't completely take you out it would just be a really hard thing to accept and maybe it would say back but i think there's value in that big time and yeah i'm very curious about that for myself for people around me and it sounds like um you know maybe rite of passage isn't even the exact thing we're talking about totally but we're, we're talking about thresholds right yeah you reach a threshold yeah, definitely yeah daniel seems to be at one of those he's like yeah 
I've played this one out. I did a good job. And now it's time to reinvent, strip it down, give myself maybe not a rite of passage, but definitely an opportunity to um, cross an inner threshold again. Maybe one he's crossed before and he yeah. needs to cross it again. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think some of the rites of passage is, I mean, you know, traditional rite of passage is to signify like going from one stage of life to the next. Yes. And And because we don't have that, we do need those moments that remind us I'm, I'm no longer the same person I was. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm, you need to know ahead. that you are now more capable, yeah. more wise. Yeah. You know, you have the, you have the, the skills and the talents that have, that have worked together in conjunction and you have outside help. Like his, his relationship with his uh, friends that are, you know, two partners or, you know, he calls them brothers. Like that's a, that shows you how deep his relationship with those guys creatively and and you need that like you need that help from outside of yourself in order to do something when i when i went down to yosemite to climb half dome and my partner that was uh, a rite of passage oh big time big time and my partner who i trained with for a year couldn't go um i i went down there expectant that i would i would find the right person and um, and here's the weird part. I don't know if I've ever said this on air. Um, I had this real strong feeling. I flew down to Oakland. I rented a car. I had a business meeting I had to do from the, from my car in Oakland. I was like parked outside of a Starbucks with Wi-Fi access. And I was on a conference call. And, and this is like some folks that I really shared a lot of like kind of emotional, spiritual intimacy with, even though we had a working relationship. And, um, and one of my mentors was like, she's like, why are you in a car? And I told her I was headed towards, you know, to go climb and what was going on. My partner wasn't gone. She's like, well, what are you going to do? You going to climb it alone? I go, no. She goes, well, who, who's going to climb it with you? And I said, this is going to sound so weird, but I know I can feel it that he's going to be German. Yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> you know, she didn't call me crazy. She just was like, <laughs> she just jumped on board. And, and the two people I met who both assisted me and I needed both of their help on there yeah. were both German guys. And I don't know how I knew that there's some way of knowing my body somehow understood. And, and I that was that story, man, it was, it was uh, like, I knew it was all going to be okay. The, the moment I met I, the first guy. Yeah. The thing I like about that story that I think is worth sharing over and over <laughs> is that is that you prepped for many months, a year, however long, your whole life in yeah. some way. And then, and then, by the way, uh, Timmy just did the Timmy O'Neill just did that same climb with another guy. It took him longer than I did. <laughs> that, that guy's done that thing, like half his, you know, half his arm, you know, an arm tied behind his back in like minutes. I mean, it's. So you Go just ahead. had to get your little jab. In I had to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I liked about that yeah. is that you it is very, perfect and parallels aspects of the hero's journey and that is mm. that you prepped for all this time intentionally you did a good job and then right at the last minute you lost the person that you were the guy got sick or something injured, yeah and he couldn't do it and it's yeah. like and then you were like it's a sign not to do this and sometimes there's signs that they're mean you know we're talking cutting for sun right yeah Sometimes something happens and that thing is like a warning. Don't do this. And sometimes it is like a little test. Like how much yeah. do you want it? And I love that your wife, Morgan, stepped up as I understand the story. And she yeah. said, 
he had that. I always think of this moment in your story as the um, city slickers moment when, <laughs> when in the beginning of that movie, I love Billy, that movie. <laughs> Billy, it's such a good movie. And Billy yeah. Crystal's like depressed. He's finding yeah. hairs all over the place, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm not going to do this." And and his wife goes, "You got to go. Like, go yeah. find your smile and don't come yeah. back. You know, yeah, until you do." And Morgan did that. She said that, right? She said, "Don't come back until you're satisfied." Is that right? Don't come back till you're proud. They'll come back to your proud. Fuck you. And, and there was a couple of things on the line for us. I mean, we were personally having a hard fucking time in our marriage, our relationship. And, and for me, that was like a signal that actually this person cares for me a lot. And she cares about the condition of my relationship with myself. Right. Like she knows I need to be in right relationship with myself. And and the other part of that was I had a deadline because then she and I were supposed to go straight into teaching a marriage retreat together. And which of course is like, it's kind of classic that we were having a hard time before teaching something like that. Yeah. But I had to get up and down the mountain and to the airport and to the, you know, back to that thing before it all happened. And there, and so there was all that risk, all that risk involved, not to mention the, the, you know, actual risk of death <laughs> that I got that I pressed against a few times on there that um awesome man honestly has been part of the reason I haven't climbed again. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm glad that you are continuing to share that story because I think that that's one that's what we're talking about. You risked a lot, you prepared, you put it all on the line, you had things happen that maybe were going to dissuade you from your path. You had other people come in and help you help you and then go away. It's, it's such a good story. You know, another, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for helping me uh, kind of keep that alive in, in, in me. Uh, it was a special moment for me. and a great gift that I should have given myself years ago. And I don't regret that now because I've done it, but I knew like, I knew kind of like I knew that German guy was there, that there are certain, there are a couple of things in my life that I knew in the moment I needed to pay attention to. And I didn't. And one of those was writing and another one of those was climbing. And, and I've had to, in my middle age, you know, like here I am standing on the precipice of middle age. That's what he says in um, Dante. Dante's Inferno, right? Yeah. Midway point of his life. And, of his life. and the other as, and, and, and to, you know, that other side, like writing, like I finally have heated the call and it's finally starting to come together. Not because I didn't have the opportunity or didn't have the, the I just didn't have the belief in myself. I didn't like, there was this, I couldn't justify a world where that was important in a world where like the success is not guaranteed. Failure is almost imminent, you know, like why do that? Why pursue that? And, and yet when I turn off the rationalism attached to that and have invested myself into that skill and that talent, the reward is beyond the success. Like I, like I don't need success with it because it's so good. And yet it's also, I'm also pushing it into a, an actual like public place by trying to get it published. And, and whether that happens or not, I'm kind of like, I don't, it doesn't really matter because like, it's like every step is its own rite of passage, like getting the material to the potential agent, finishing the first draft, going to the next writer's conference. Like each one of those are those kind of dragons Daniel was talking about. 
when you went and pitched your stuff at the Went Writers Conference to those agents and and very very world class agents, that was a rite of passage. You yeah, know, you tried it was. the line, you put it on the line. Yeah, you know, you you risked, you know, and and you you didn't have to do that. You know, no one was yeah. forcing you. It came from an inner call, and I just you know a little bit of time and energy for each one of us to just be like is there somewhere in my life that I could create a situation like that to in a matter of degrees, maybe it's small. Yeah. Maybe it's massive. And I just think everybody probably has, has somewhere, if not many places in their life yeah. where they could do that. They could yeah. come up with a challenge that would be appropriate and helpful and fit them, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's always there. There's always potential. It just takes a little time to think about it and come up with it. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it does. I, I think that's absolutely right. I, I, some of my best kind of reflective thinking was on airplanes coming to and from place when you, there's like no distractions, totally. open up my journal and let my brain flow. And, uh, you know, all those things. And I also do want to say, man, if you're, if you are in a, this is, we're unofficially supported by the war of art <laughs> by Stephen Pressfield, you know, he mentioned that. And I know I talk about Stephen Pressfield all the time, but, um, he in a lot of ways is uh, a guide for me working through all this resistance. And um, if you, if you, you know, you, Daniel, but you, the listener are kind of trying to figure out how to reconnect to that part of you that, that has lot has like stopped dreaming about your skills, yeah. gifts and talents being used. That's a great book. Anything by Stephen Pressfield, his, yeah. his uh, work series stuff is great. Um, and gives you, I, I gave me a, a real like understanding of the resistance that is cooked up within me and outside of me that I interpreted as trying to stop me or as good excuses to keep me from uh, what I really wanted. And, and I've never seen anywhere a better um, description of that battle. And that's why he calls it the war of art, because it is a battle. Can I share something with you right on our way out here? Yeah, man. I've just been, as we've been talking, really thinking about, I love the idea of rites of passage, you know, yeah. it's just so good. And and I, I should make a side note that yeah. the hero's journey has a bad rap amongst some people as being a very like male thing. Totally. Yeah. And I, and I think it kind of is, or can be not to say yeah. it has to be done by men. That's not what I'm saying. Heroine's journey, a heroine's journey in this context would be still a male experience. There's right. an idea of a, the feminine journey and this is gendering it, which does not yeah. have to be done. Um, so I would be sensitive around that. It's not the only way to talk about this, but there is another, there are other ways to um, live life and work through life and work through challenges that is not like, I'm going to impose my, I'm going to like, yeah. conquer. you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Aside, yeah. aside from that, I just want to make that note. But one of the ways that I'm realizing personally that I recently provided myself the opportunity for a rite of passage is going to that jazz class the other night. Yeah. Yeah. And this gets into my dreams, which is part of the inner world. I would say it's dreams, mm. dreams, emotions, thoughts, feelings. These are inner world stuff, beliefs. And I have this recurring dream over the last 20 years mm. of not being prepared for a musical situation <laughs> and or a play. And I'm sure this is a common anxiety dream wow. that people have. Yeah. But for me, it's very specific around being at a performance and not having my lines memorized or not knowing how to read music. 
Oh, wow. And I was in this, I took myself to this jazz class sitting in at a, the local college here on a class that's already three quarters of the way through the semester. And the instructor said, come on over and check out the class. And so I go into this place and it's a jazz ensemble class, it's a jazz band class. Mm -hmm. And there's some scattered people and inst playing instruments and we're sitting down and I sit down at the piano and I'm, I'm looking over the shoulder of the piano player, who's a really nice guy. Yeah. And I'm reading this music that I used to know as a child, as a high schooler, how to read music. And, and he's playing piano and I'm shadowing, talking to him, learning a little bit. And I realized this class, this like the most friendly, simple, nurturing, uh, yeah. uh, what's that called incubator incubator type okay, of yeah. environment for a, for yeah. a jazz player potential jazz player is actually come the next semester when i'll be part of that class mm. i'm going to be the one sitting at that piano mm. having to play music being instructed yeah and i have three months before class starts you know and yeah. it's like yeah. Now I have a goal now. And, but yeah. sitting, it's sitting at a jazz in a class, like a low level jazz class, but it's going to be as if it's going to feel the same as every other stage that hopefully I'll get to be as a, That's right. a jazz musician. You know, yeah. it'll be that same totally. feeling. It'll be that totally. same feeling in, in Port Townsend when I got to sit at, at uh, playing piano for that comic, you know, and I just feel like, yeah, okay, there's a great example. It's going to yeah. be, that's a goal. There's a time period before that goal comes and it's going to be connected to my inner world. Like mm. I get to do something right that in my inner world, in my dreams, I'm like, ah, oh, no, I don't, I can't read music. And I think that's a good example, just like an appropriate way that's going to, yeah. it's really helpful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You need, uh, I was talking about that kind of thing with a client yesterday. It's like, you need, you need some things to build up. Like you need to like step into a few different things that like give totally. you that um, uh, feeling of like, this is a challenge, but it's doable yeah. <laughs> and it scares the shit out of me, yeah. but it's doable. I'm going to start. I know I'm going to survive. It's good. And, uh, and you need like a collection of those. Like you need to kind of like pick them up. And I, I mean, you know, you, you, you raising your hand at that, at that bar in Port Townsend together when the, the guy asked if anyone played piano. I mean, that was like, not, I mean, in my mind, not too dissimilar to someone going like on an airplane, like, is there a doctor on the airplane? <laughs> it was a call. That was a call yeah. to action. That was a heroic moment. I, I pat myself on the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was very proud of myself. In that it was. I could have come home yeah. know, at proud in that moment. And I found my smile. And it, But a lot of part of me was like, you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You don't yep. know what you're doing. It's yep. sketchy. Yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, fuck it. You know, yeah. I'm going to go for it today. It was beautiful. I think about that every once in a while. Like I really do. Like I'll be walking around the dog, my dog at night or something. I think about that moment and really proud of you and happy for you that Thank you had you. to experience that. Was that was one of the coolest moments of my life for sure. It was rad to get to witness it for sure too. That was, Thank that you. was Thank awesome. You. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for helping create it. You know? yeah, and, and your moment on half dome, like I'm serious. That's one of the coolest stories. I, I just, anyways, good for us. We're doing a good job. We are, we're doing it and, and, we're um, privileged and blessed to be able to do that for sure. Totally. Oh, look at, I have a special guest, my dog. I guess she must need to go outside again. Okay. Goldie, tell us about you. So Goldie, you are a golden retriever. You are <laughs> Ronald's pup. You do not speak. Welcome Goldie. I think she is. I think, I think she's a person trapped inside here. I think this is oh, probably, 100%. you know, 
Definitely. Some number of reincarnations. She's the come way back. your dog moves is human like. It's a little <laughs> weird sometimes. All right, let's get out of here. All right, man. Good to see you. Thank you for getting this put together. Daniel, <laughs> I want to tell you, I want to thank you. I, you you're in charge of getting the guests on, on here with us. And Daniel was one of those guys that I really wanted on. Uh, and you made it happen, dude. That's thank, thanks to you, man. Shout out. You're welcome. My pleasure. Good yeah. job. You also shout out to his assistant, Chrissy. Yeah. She is amazing. She like cold, not cold call me. She called me. She oh, texted. I don't know. Nice. She was on it. She's she awesome. went through it. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she, okay. One more thing. Sorry. But this is, she had a little moment as I understand it is about three months ago on Daniel's Instagram popped up a, Hey, we are hiring another team member. Yeah. And I looked at that and I thought, should I apply for that? You know, cause huh. what a cool opportunity. Yeah. I didn't. Well, she's the one that applied and got the job. Oh, nice. Good for we her. We had a little moment talking on the phone. What was her name? She, her name's Chrissy. Chrissy. Hey, congrats, Chrissy. Good job. Yeah, Thanks for your help. She's awesome. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Props to her. Awesome, man. Hey, we'll all talk right. soon. All right. Thanks, Daniel. See Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you.